Welcome to Descriptive, a podcast about JavaScript and other things. I'm your host, Khalil, and this is episode 13, Introducing Henning Blatterguts. Today's guest is Henning Glattergutz. He is a software developer, an Amber.js fan, and a bonsai enthusiast. Welcome to the show, Henning. Thank you very much. Great to be here. How did you get started in programming? Well, I, uh, I went to school in Austria for mechanical engineering, and that was a five-year program. And in the third year, I believe it was, there was an introduction to computer science class. And um, about half of that was actual programming. The rest was theory. And uh, we learned the very basic things like, you know, what's a for loop, an if statement, et cetera. But that was enough to get me completely hooked. And um, I've been doing something in programming ever since, even though it took me um, quite a while to do it professionally after that. Oh, so it was just privately then, mostly? Yeah, I just did. Um, mostly what actually happened is I started applying you know, the little bit that I did know, I, I wrote like little command line programs to solve problems in my other classes or when I had summer jobs, um, which in the beginning was mainly uh, with my dad's organ building company. I would, um, you know, I'd get hired to, you know, drill holes in 10,000 pieces of wood or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, mind numbing stuff. But I would be, uh, you know, always on the lookout and looking around what, what others were doing, uh, especially in, you know, manual labor and um, trying to apply what I knew or, you know, see if I could write a computer program to do what they were trying to do by hand or something like that. And um, that actually um, happened very soon. I mean, I would, uh, I would see how they would be uh, measuring things or calculating stuff on a piece of paper or whatever. And they would spend, you know, on some of these tasks, days um, measuring these parts um, of which all the dimensions were actually known and could potentially be put in the computer very easily. So, you know, I, I told them or asked them what, why they were doing it like that. And they said, well, they didn't know any other way. So I'd write a little computer program and it would, you know, take that task down to minutes or seconds. That previously took maybe hours or days. And um, that kind of, uh, you know, to have that sort of impact or to just make something out of thin air that would have that kind of effect that was totally, totally awesome. I mean, I love that. And um, I pretty much, you know, just continued to do that throughout school. And then, um, yeah, I tried to I tried to get a job in, in software development after that, but uh, that didn't happen. Then I uh, moved to the States. So I, you know, went from Austria to Florida, basically. So why did you, <clears throat> how did you end up there? <laughs> well, um, I have uh, dual citizenship, so I was always sort of going to think, ah, go to the States and see what it's like, stay there for a year. and um, So you're actually half American? Yeah, I'm okay. um, Austrian-American. Yeah, okay. my, my mom's American, my dad's Austrian. Cool. So, um, yeah, so I went over there, and um, that so the software thing didn't work out, and um, got a job in mechanical engineering with a Swedish company. And did the same thing there, actually. I did uh, system administration stuff uh, beside, you know, or, or alongside my, you know, design work for, for engineering. And um, same thing, I saw problems that um, people were not able to solve efficiently and wrote some simple little programs. I mean, one of those was um, a sort of a vol volumetric comparison thing to see if you can make part A out of part B, for example. 
And um, I asked my boss if I could, could, you know, if I could do this on company time. And he said no. And so I, uh, I did this at home over the weekend once. And I came in and I presented it. And they were all like really interested and fascinated. And they said, okay, well, let's try this. And um, basically what it was is they have, um, you know, a large inventory of parts. And um, it would be cheaper to take, you know, some part off the shelf and just cut it down a little bit and make a new part out of it and then ship it to the customer instead of making a completely new one out of, you know, new raw material. So you can reduce your inventory, would save money, etc. So anyway, they started using it. And um, after six months, I think, the CEO came to me and he said, hey, that's a really nice program you wrote. It saved us like $450,000 in the last six wow. months. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I, I was like, I was just, you know, freaking out. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, you know, and, and I didn't even think of any kind of, you know, monetary compensation or so. I was just totally thrilled, you know, that I had done something like that or something. So that was really kind of trivial to me, but it had that kind of impact, you know, mm -hmm. uh, on the business. And so, you know, they gave me like a thousand dollar bonus or something like that, I think, and said, oh, yeah, cool. You know, <laughs> if I had known before what, what that would do, then, you know, maybe it would have asked for more. But yeah. <laughs> again, I just those um, just having that kind of uh, impact with with writing simple little programs. That was basically what I thought was really, really cool. Mm. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And uh, what happened then? So you, you stayed at that company and then uh, you must have ended up in, in software development, uh, development somehow over there. Indeed. So what happened is um, I would go to Sweden once or twice a year, which is where the headquarter, headquarters was and uh, all the new product development happened there. And there was a meeting of all the engineers there that came from Canada, the United States and parts of Europe. And I remember this experience very, very distinctly. I was... We were huddled over this this new part that had come out of the machine and, and everybody was totally like fired up and excited about, you know, this thing and what they were doing. And I was just I was standing there and I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? I don't care about this. You know, I'm not mm. interested in this. I'm going to go back to school. I'm mm. going to go back to school and get a computer science degree. And um, that's what I did. So I went to uh, University of South Florida. Started pretty much from scratch and uh, went through the entire um, undergrad program hmm. and got myself a computer science degree and uh, met my wife there. So double win. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. So nice. from yeah from there we um, we basically moved to uh, South Florida. So we lived in Fort Lauderdale, just north of Miami, where uh, she went to school and then I I got a job there. Uh, with a software company. It was a pure software shop, and um, they built, or they still do, I guess, they build proprietary um, search engines for 411 directory assistance. And um, essentially what that is is they take all sorts of um, address and contact data from, from phone companies and build a proprietary high-speed search engine that lets operators quickly find people based on various criteria. And uh, it doesn't sound too fascinating, but I was on the database build team um, for that, and that was uh, pretty much um, all C++ work on my end, and all um, 
basically concurrency stuff. So it's all multi-threaded and, um, you know, high performance stuff. And it was absolutely fascinating. I had great mentors there. And, um, yeah, so that's where I ended up after, right after college, basically. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, okay. So and what, where did you go from there? Um, there, let's see. Yeah. My wife finished her school, um, and then started a residency program and, um, she had to move North and, uh, we also, pretty much we're in the process of starting new family. So she got pregnant and I told my boss, I said, Hey, um, I have to move. <laughs> we had to move like four, five hours, uh, North. Mm -hmm. So Gainesville, that's sort of central Florida. That's where she was. That's where she was doing her residency. And, um, well, I mean, can't leave her up there. So yeah. I uh, basically told my boss, here's, here's what's happening. And, um, I understand if, you know, you can't, keep me on and work, let me work remotely. Hmm. And, you know, then we'll just go our separate ways. And he says, no, 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 that's not a problem. You just uh, come down once a month or something and, you know, have a few meetings or whatever and just keep us up to date and you can work up there. So that's what I did. I moved to Gainesville and that's where my remote work basically started. And um, then uh, my son was born. And 10 days after that, uh, my boss called me and said, hey, congratulations. And um, I have some bad news, though. And he said, we just got bought out, and I have to let go about 25% of the team. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, I will keep you on if you move back down to South Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, no, I can't do that. And um, he said, well, I'm very sorry. Then, you know, that's, well, I'll keep... Uh, this other person and I'll have to let you go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was fine because we had sort of planned for that anyway. Okay. And, um, yeah, because, you know, there's no maternity leave or anything like that uh, to the extent that there is here uh, in, in Germany or Austria. Yeah. So you have to sort of plan ahead if you want to stay home for more than four weeks. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I basically ended up doing what we had intended to do which was basically stay home with my son for six months and after that I started um, talking to people again about you know positions and jobs and I actually had one of my um, previous clients contact me with some questions some networking question and uh, I reached out to a friend of mine whom I had previously worked with he actually took over um, my sysadmin job <clears throat> that I had at the engineering company Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, hey, no problem. I'll have one of my engineers, um, you know, send you, send you the answer. And um, I remember that when, when we had, you know, done stuff together, I had actually subcontracted with him for a few things. And he was, you know, taking on this position at this other company um, that had like 20 people or something. And um, now he was telling me that one of his engineers was going to, you know, send me, a, send me an inf some information on this. And get this super detailed thing back and um turns out that he had grown with this company that was now i think 500 people or something crazy like that and he was like uh, head of uh um it basically hmm. and uh he asked me you know if uh, i was interested in working on this this gig that he had he needed somebody for six months for php and uh, i'm like yeah sure you know because i mean i needed to start working again so and I told him where I was, though, and that I couldn't come to Tampa, which is where that was. Mm 
Mm-hmm. It's about a two-hour drive or so. And um, he said, yeah, you just stay up there. It's fine. Come down for a few meetings. So, you know, my remote work continued. It just went from C++ to PHP. So mm-hmm. I kind of fell into that, mm-hmm. um, which I had done a little bit previously, but not too much. Mm. And... Um, yeah, so I started working in PHP backend stuff. So the previous, you know, the C++ stuff, that was all uh, basically backend as well. There was um, no, you know, I never did anything with a user interface or anything like that. It was all totally server stuff. And um, same thing now uh, with this company, and that's basically where I still am. And uh, Okay, so yeah. how, how did you find the switch from C++ to PHP? Um, not too terrible. I mean, it was, uh, I like the typing and, uh, the whole thing that you get with the compiler where it basically tells you the static, um, static analysis basically of, of the code. Yeah. Um, that is really nice. And then, um, yeah, but, uh, I guess what I have to add to that, the C++ work is it was in an environment basically where we were not allowed to use very many third party libraries. So, most of what we did was was handwritten, um, which is crazy, but it had to do with legal stuff and contracts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I couldn't even use, like, um, things like Boost is a very popular C++ library that has a lot of um, uh, basic elements, even for concurrency stuff, you know, multi-threading. Mm-hmm. All that stuff we had to do. do oh, by man. Hand. That must so, suck, though. Yeah, it was... It was crazy, but at the time, I, I'd have to say I didn't know any better. And now looking back, I learned a ton. I mean, really, you know. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. You know, I wrote a um, basically, like, like I said, it was a database build uh, engine. So part of that was sorting key value pairs that were then loaded in as indexes. So basically, I wrote this library that was a streaming um, sort merge engine. So while the database engine in the front was building um, these things, it was spitting out key value pairs that got streamed into this library of mine or this this engine. And it was sort merged and everything was basically parallelized. And, um, you know, that thing took like six months to write. It's it's a very, you know, sort merge is not a big deal, right? But it's um, it was all multi-threaded and, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. <laughs> hmm. But that's where I, I basically, um, that also where I got my introduction to um, uh, test-driven development or, or unit testing. There was none of that before I, when I started there. Okay. And nice. um, yeah, that, so when I got laid off, that was actually the second wave. Uh, there was a first one where my mentor, my basically, yeah, the guy that I was working under, he got let go. Mm-hmm. And I inherited his code base and was absolutely terrified because, okay. yeah, here I am two years into the job and got this huge thing that I had to take over and mm-hmm. there were no tests or anything. So I learned that there um, myself and um, basically made very, very good progress with that product once I got everything under test. And I, I carried that into PHP um, and I don't know, I guess I came into PHP, yeah, it was sort of Symphony one time. There was no composer. There was no package managing. Mm. It was still pretty nasty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that great, I guess, but uh, it was, wasn't terrible either. And again, this is, you know, maybe if I had known, if I had come from something else like Rails or whatever, I might have, you know, 
hated it. I don't know, but um, I didn't. I, I didn't have that, so it wasn't really wasn't a bad thing. Yeah, Se seems like it's it's pretty different. It is for it is. what you need, what you um, use the languages for, right? True, um, but it is amazing what you can do with PHP. <laughs> it, um, you know, you can bend, you can it's you can glue all kinds of stuff together, and um, you know, you can do multiprocessing. And I actually have some stuff where I do do multiprocessing at this point. Basically, meaning it's not multi-threaded, obviously, but it's you know multiple processes running off of a a parent process um, to get bigger three throughput. Mm -hmm. um, And there, you know, you should <laughs> probably use, use a different language, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's a PHP shop, so that's not an option. <clears throat> but there you can use open source stuff. Yes, I can. And uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think from my, like I said, I had very good mentors in the C++ time. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the things I learned there, you know, were just discipline um, because you need that to write pretty code basically you know or something yeah. that's readable and i had some guys that were really really senior and um i mean one of them he he used emacs and uh you know every time i went and looked over his shoulder i would just you know get whiplash almost because i didn't i couldn't follow fast as fast as he was changing buffers and moving around in his text i couldn't i couldn't even watch it so mm -hmm. but he he had something that i tried to to emulate which was absolutely beautiful source code and um mm -hmm. you know a lot of people argue that that's not important but i think it is very important because who would argue that <laughs> well i don't i know we shouldn't get into that conversation <laughs> but i mean if you think about it you know most of what you do is not writing code it's reading code yeah exactly and it's mostly reading other people's code yeah so, so there's yeah yeah there's so, a reason why you need beautiful code exactly so i i took that from him and i tried i tried to do that even in php because you know a lot of people have a lot of hate for php saying it's so ugly and yeah. but i think if you if you're disciplined and you know what you're doing you can you can actually write decent code so mm -hmm. yeah that's true um, yeah yeah and especially when namespacing came around and uh, composer That changed the game quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's. So, so uh, what kind of stuff have you been writing there? Um, well, it started out with this. The six-month gig was something that um, I got pulled off of the second day I was there, and um, basically I had to go and work on something else, which was web services, and uh, that's what I started with. Mm. Um, at the time, they needed um, they needed some of their vendors to be able to send them data. So I uh, set up, uh, at the time, what, what I knew was XML RPC. That was about 2009. And um, so we put in our XML RPC service. It wasn't, you know, I didn't want to do SOAP. Um, and uh, that took a few months, got that up and running. And then we com came back to that project that um, they first put me on, which was basically uh, data aggregation and um, a, with a sort of a report uh, reporting front end. So I did most of the the aggregation stuff, which had to do with third-party integration. So, for example, pulling data from, from Google Analytics, from various other, um, you know, ad resources and things like that, mm -hmm. just various vendors that, that are out there. So, you know, they obviously none of them have the same, you know, even 
well, some are XMLRPC, some are just XML over HTTP, some are JSON, some are, you know, whatever. I mean, there's no standard there. Well, I hope there will be a standard soon, but there, there mm. isn't. Yeah. And so it's a very time consuming thing to, to get that all working. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then basically we did this front end and I, you know, didn't have and still don't have that much front end experience. But the two guys, or one of the two guys I was working with, he was uh, big into jQuery. So we basically put together this um, PHP or Symfony app with, um, with lots of jQuery sprinkled in. And that was pretty much something that totally turned me off of front-end um, <laughs> work <laughs> because it was just, it was... I mean, it worked. You know, it actually looks decent, but the ma the maintenance and working on it is just makes you want to cry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, because you know you have code that comes in, gets loaded in with AJAX into a tab that reaches out and selects something in a different part of the page, and I mean, it's so brittle mm -hmm. and so there's no structure. I mean, I don't need to tell you; you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But basically, it was just something that was painful that. I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, yeah. it wasn't fun. It was absolutely no fun. And um, I uh, figured, though, that there's got to be a better way. And I, I did actually for my, you know, for my other projects, since it's all you know server stuff or processes running in the background, things like that. It's always nice to have something more than just um, the command line to to you know even get a simple status. Um, so it'd be nice to put something on a web page, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, even though those things aren't too involved, I was just always looking for something that would make it simpler. I didn't particularly like, um, you know, writing actual sites in PHP or Symfony. It always seemed too complicated. There's just too much involved. Um, so, you know, I had that experience already with with web services and APIs and pulling you know, just pure data from, from APIs and maybe displaying it on the screen. Um, so I was looking for something like that, but there wasn't really anything around at that time. That was sort of 2009, 2010, I think. I don't know if um, Backbone had come out yet, but um, that was sort of when I started looking, I remember it was Backbone had come on the scene and maybe before that I had looked at, I'd heard about Sprout Core, never looked at it. And, um, also, this thing called Espresso, I think it was. Mm -hmm. It was very, very heavy JavaScript. It was basically an implementation of, of Objective C yeah, in JavaScript. I, they called I it Objective J. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I saw the demo of that thing and, and the, the demo app, and it just looks amazing, right? But I looked at the code. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> there's, there's no way. It just seemed uh, too cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there was never, as I said, back-end stuff was always the priority. So I wasn't even really supposed to be doing any front-end stuff. And um, it was always just something that I looked at in my spare time or when I had some free cycles during work. And yeah. um, I guess then what came along then, Knockout JS, I think, that was something that looked kind of interesting. Never did any work in that. Then, uh, um I think, yeah, Angular must have come along then. And I'm like, oh, Google, you know, that's got to be good. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, still just looking at it on the periphery and reading about it, not actually doing any coding. And um, yeah, then then Ember came along. And 
I think it was just a, a talk I heard from uh, that was with Yehuda Katz and Tom Dale. Mm-hmm. And they just they were talking about their philosophy and, and what they were trying to do with Ember. And it just struck a chord with me. It was, I guess it was what I was looking for, um, you know, as far as what the problems they were trying to solve. And it just spoke to me. And um, I think pretty much sort of out of that reason, more, more emotional than anything else, I said, okay, I got to look at this more, more in depth and I got to give this some time. And I did. And this was, um, right around the time I think when Ember AppKit was um, sort of coming onto the scene. So very early, mm-hmm. was way, way pre 1.0. And uh, yeah, so I started poking around with that because I needed to write um, basically sort of a dashboard for this application that I was working on. And um, it worked quite well. I mean, it's probably now in the third iteration or something because, you know, Ember's developed or evolved so rapidly. But um, I've been, you know, working on that, again, sort of pretty much on the side. But um, it's pretty decent now. I mean, I'm impressed, you know, as, as, a, as a back-end person that doesn't have too much to do in the browser usually, that seemed to be a pretty good fit for me. And, um, yeah, I liked it. And uh, it's looking pretty similar to um, Travis CI. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I took some ideas from them because mm-hmm. the, the app I have is is pretty similar. You know, it runs jobs, and uh, I need to display those and the statuses that are associated with the various jobs. So, yeah, that's pretty much um, up until, yeah, from the early beginnings to, to now. That's Cool. So have you been upgrading that. your um, Ember.js with, with all the releases that came out, or are you still on an old, older version? No, what I did is um, the very first version, I think, or the first time I started fiddling around with it was just, um, you know, following the sort of the model that they have in that video. I don't know if they've changed it now, but basically, you know, all your templates and everything in, in one file, and then you have your JavaScript in the other file, mm-hmm. which is great. Of course, it's not, you know, it doesn't scale. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I didn't have any any experience with any of the build tools and all that. So, you know, putting together the entire build pipeline was was kind of daunting for me. And I didn't have time to do that. So I was really happy when Ember AppKit came out. So I guess that was the first, you know, sort of iteration that I completely rewrote it with Ember AppKit. And upgrading with that really wasn't so simple. So I think there was another complete rewrite uh, there. And then, and you know, I'm not talking about a big app. This is small stuff. Mm-hmm. But then um, Ember CLI came out. And I think I started, that was a rewrite again. And But since then, I've just been upgrading because it's, it's pretty simple to do that now. So cool. Yep. Yeah, I, I love that, um, that they, that they are that they're having um that they're having the six weeks uh, release cycle yep and then it's combined with the easy way to upgrade with uh ember cli which is really cool yeah right. <clears throat> um awesome so that's how you got into so you really got stuck with ember ember is like your yeah that's um like i said it's front-end solution yeah i i just um 
I'm impressed with with Yehuda Katz and Tom Dale. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who those guys were when I first heard them and even started looking into it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, obviously Yehuda Katz is a pretty big name. Um, so and you can tell, I mean, he's extremely articulate and he can he brings his points across really, really well. Yeah, he does. And uh, that's and, and then the two of them together in interviews, I think, is hilarious because you know, they finish each other's sentences and yeah. it's just funny. So, um, they, it's, they, they, they really yeah. seem like a little, like, uh, like a married couple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it, it also seems that way because I have the feeling, because I, I have also followed this development, like, um, you know, Amber JS coming out, Backbone coming out, all the different, um, conference conferences and panel talks that that got uploaded there was this one um conference i think it was in new york it was called throne of js maybe it was not new york but it doesn't matter and it was basically about which framework is the best framework and i remember how yehuda katz was was sitting there next to i think there was an angular guy And there was a knockout guy, and there was the backbone. There was uh, Jeremy Ashkenaz, who was the, the backbone guy, right? Mm -hmm. And Yehuda Katz, at that point, he was kind of uh, cutthroat, I feel like. He was a little bit more arrogant than he <laughs> is today. You know, like yeah. when he was when he was speaking, like he was, he was talking about Amber, like Amber is the shit and he was really kind of a little bit aggressive in in his yeah no it not aggressive i think it the best way to describe it would be a little arrogant how mm -hmm. he came across i wouldn't yeah. i i don't think he necessarily is arrogant that's just how he came across and when he was talking i just remember in that moment he was basically in a back and forth between uh jeremy and him And mm -hmm. that was also during a time I think they also had, they were on JavaScript Jabber back then together at the same time. They were basically arguing about Ember and Backbone and which one is the better one and having, you know, um, Backbone providing less structure and Ember pr providing all this structure and is a bigger framework and all this stuff. And, and they were arguing, uh, arguing about it. And it was all very articulate, very, you know, they both made strong points. It was going back and forth. And it was so funny because I remember back then the Angular guy, and I don't even know, don't even remember who that was. Angular was not very well known yet, but it was, it existed already. And the, and he was, whenever he was trying to say something, he got totally rolled over by by Yehuda Katz it was really really crazy like he he didn't get one word out he was just like it, it was almost like Yehuda Katz was saying like shut up this is, this is what I'm saying but he didn't say shut up but this is like basically what he did he shut the angular guy up and he was just interested in in going against Jeremy at that wow. at that point I, yeah you have to find that or let me know what that is I want to watch that that's uh, yeah that I have to funny I have to find it again I think that must be like three years old or four i don't have no idea but but yeah. i i think uh, I, um i might i might be able to find it if uh, if it's still online okay um and to see to remember this yehuda katz um and then looking at how he is today 
to, they're always together. It's always now they're always presenting together. It's always Tom Dale and Uticats, and they're so uh, nice. I think they make each each other better people. I think that's how they feel, and that's probably yeah. That's also kind of how they communicate. That's what I, they almost say that when they are, you know, when they come on podcasts and interview and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They kind of, they kind of. Uh, that's what I get. Kind of, he, Yehuda, like Tom Dale is, has tons and tons of respect. You know, uh, like Yehuda Katz is one of his programming heroes. And then on the other hand, um, for some, <laughs> it's always like it's always like Tom Dale makes Yehuda a little bit of a softer, friendlier yep. guy. Because I, what you said before, I can't even imagine. You know, that doesn't make any sense to. Right. You know, because that's not how I know them. I mean, they're so they seem so humble, you know. Yes, very. I mean, if you know, just the recent keynote from EmberConf. I mean, the, <clears throat> you know, they get up there and they admit all these, uh, you yeah. know, I guess mistakes or whatever that they made, or, and then just come out and say that. You know, that that's a quality that not a lot of people have. I mean, to to admit that they think they might have gone down the wrong path and now. You know, other people have found a better one, and they're going to try to emulate that, and um, they do that constantly, which mm-hmm. I, I think is is that's something I respect in in a person and in them. I guess is if you can totally. Get I up mean, and say, yeah. that Amber Conf talk was was very uh, powerful somehow. I mean, there was. I remember you 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 sent me a Twitter DM, and, and you were talking about it. And, yep. and 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 so I had to to go and watch it right away, and then I just came out of watching that talk like totally, like brimming and with information, and like I had to like there was so much to kind of uh, there was almost too much process you have to go back and watch it again. No, I just... I totally have to do that. I really want to uh, to to go back and 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 take some notes and and, and we, yeah and. Yeah, because they pulled one thing after the other out of their hat. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was very compressed. Lots, yeah. lots and lots of information. Also, a lot of I feel a lot of subtext. You know, like there is just some of the stuff that they are already doing that they pr- that they proved works. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that they did in 2014, and that they're committed to executing on. Um, just their actions. It it is just. And how the community works, and how the release cycle works, and 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 the different things they're pulling together in this Amber Conf uh, video is just there's so much going on. It's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, they they just have an amazing team too. I mean, if you think about all the things that they're accomplishing, just alone the whole build process and the release cycle, and then you know Ember CLI and um, all the other things that they're doing. Um, again, that's just something that is like it's wow that. It's it's really really incredible, and that's something that I, I'm sure that you know other other um, projects have that too, and and I don't know too much about you know what Angular is doing at the moment because once I decided to go with Ember, I pretty much you know stopped following what they were doing just because I don't have I don't have the bandwidth to to keep you know keep it up. Yeah. But um, so I you know I decided that I wanted to focus on on, on Ember, and that's what I've sort of been doing. Yeah, cool. So, um, and then you ended up uh, giving a talk at Frankfurt JS. 
Right, right. Yeah, because I've, um, well, I met you back, way back when, I don't remember now, at uh, Karlsruhe Jazz. Karlsruhe Jazz, yeah. And uh, I'd always just mentioned that, you know, I'm doing a little bit of jazz here and there. And and I think before, well, actually before that, um, before I started Ember, probably about three, three years ago now, I uh, started a thing with a buddy of mine. Um, we were going to launch this this iPhone app, basically, and that was I was writing that in, in JavaScript. Um, oh. in Accelerator, um, that, mm-hmm. that framework. So I had, you know, some more in-depth um, exposure to to JavaScript than just uh, the jQuery stuff that I had done before. Um, but then, you know, that didn't, didn't really work out, so left that aside and then, yeah, started uh, dabbling in Ember, as I said, and, and I, um, I think you sort of said, hey, you should give a talk about it or something, and I yeah. was never, yeah, I never felt qualified to do that. And then I just um, made a decision a few months back to say, okay, I want to sort of force myself to get a little deeper into Ember and um, understand it better. And a good way to do that is to basically try to explain it to other people. And um, I guess to put one on top of theirs is you could give a talk in front of a room of people. So I uh, decided to do that and um, basically framed the whole thing as um, why you should take a look at Ember again. Because which, so, which I, I thought was really was very clever because because Ember now is is just just recently becoming um or just recently became really viable for for people to to really get into it or for more people to really get into it because the documentation uh now was up to par they finally totally uh decided on this is our api this is how we want to do it stuff like that so i thought that was a great title Yeah, exactly, because everything solidified in, you know, the last six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard from a lot of um, peers of mine that, you know, had looked at Ember a year ago or even before that, and they just said, nah, there's no way we can use this. It's too too volatile. And I, and I totally can see that. If you're trying to uh, put out a product under pressure to try to use something like that that changes every two days is, is pretty uh, risky, and you don't really want to, you know, do that. So... I thought that things had really come to a place where where there weren't any there's like no excuses anymore. Um, it's solid and um, you know it's 1.0 and it works beautifully um, for what I do at least. I've been using Ember Data from the very beginning and I never really had any complaints. Mm. But again, you know my app is is maybe somewhat simplistic, so I never had um, too you know bad edge cases or anything like that. But um, yeah, so I, I basically did that to say, okay, I think there's enough reasons now for you to come back and take a look, even if you looked at it before, um, because I think you might change your mind um, if you take a peek at it again. And uh, so that was sort of the, the, the theme for my talk um, and uh, didn't have to go too, too deep into technical details. I mean, there's not that much time anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a broad topic. Um, and I uh, did a little bit of live coding there at the end. Uh, wrote a little Twitter Twitter app. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it was received really well. And um, Yeah, I totally, got, I totally yeah. enjoyed it. It was cool. Yeah. I, I, I remember um, my, my mm. co-organizer, 
that um, Evgeny who who sat next to me while he, while you uh, were showing off all the the tooling and yeah. <laughs> and the different um, uh, little things that 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 Amber kind of brings uh, with it. He was flipping out because <laughs> because he because he has been wrangling with Angular and he he was trying to. Uh, avoid Angular forever, and then for some reason in the project that he was working on, he needed to um, he he needed to do a little Angular work, and he hated it, and mm -hmm. he was trying to get around <clears throat> it. <clears throat> and I always told him, "Hey, you have to have a look at you have to take a look at Ember." And um, since years, I think <laughs> I told him that, <laughs> and he just never yeah. ca came around to it. And then he saw all this stuff, and he was like, "Wow!" And the Ember Inspector, and the Ember CLI, and all the stuff. And um, yeah, he was he was totally floored. It was great. <laughs> that was that was really fun. I mean, uh, there was a ton of people that sort of huddled around in the end and wanted to know all kinds of stuff. And awesome. that was really man. Really, you know what? This yeah. is also so much it's so needed in germany that somebody talks about ember finally because <laughs> and i mean ember has, yeah germany had, is it, totally uh, angular land it's I mean. angularified like crazy man this is <laughs> like the like th this is now for so many jobs they the clients ask for for angular developers and everybody's looking for angular developers and that's such bullshit like yeah. the client many of those clients really They they have they 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 are not qualified to decide which JavaScript framework is really the best for their for for their problem. It's just yeah. that's just how it is. They're not, and I know that the backend developers, um, when you do when you when you're in client services, um, a lot of clients decide on on the backend technologies as well. This is just a thing when they just feel like okay. Uh, Sometimes they have some sort of an expert that they ask, you know, like, what do we need? And then they right. say something and mostly, most likely it's something that they have some sort of relationship to. Like, it's not necessarily the best technology. Yeah. It's, they, either, it's either that or it's something where they know that there's a, a big pool of talent around. Because that, that's yes. another factor that's, that's usually important for businesses. Mm -hmm. And, um, for example, you know, when I came on board, this the current gig I have which I'm actually a freelancer at, and it was supposed to be six months. Now it's going on six years. But, um, you know, they were very, very hesitant to start with something like Symphony because Symphony isn't that big in the United States. Oh. It's, you know, it's a European thing, okay. and it was hard to find developers. And that's, that's kind of risky if you're, you know, basing that on that and you're trying to find somebody to come in um, and you can't find people that, that know how to do this but know? in the case of angular that is not that doesn't work because because there's no angular developers i mean yeah i mean it's maybe there are more clearly there are more angular developers uh than there are ember developers especially in germany but um but they're all searching for them and they're getting high salaries and they're not finding any and it's hard to find good ones and all this crap right mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, this is something that I have a little bit of a problem with because I was, when I first tried out Angular, uh, like, when was that? Maybe one and a half years ago or two years ago. I don't know. 
I don't know. I am so bad with those kind of time sketches. <laughs> but um, anyway, I tried it out. I was impressed and I used it and it was great. And then at some point I just felt like, oh my God, this is messy and directives are so complicated. And I kind of fell out of love with it. And, um, and, and I really don't. And, and when I, and when I look at the, the, the different JavaScript frameworks, they are a few that kind of stand out through their philosophy and their community. And, and Ember for me is one that is like really, really strong in that, in that kind of area. And, and it's very transparent, especially Ember is very transparent with where they're going and, and, and you can see the whole community working on it and their multiple companies working on it. And with Angular, it's kind of, I find it's very, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, you like, it's, what's the word? I, f I forgot. It's not transparent. What's the, um, <laughs> ob obfuscated or what is <laughs> the word? Obfuscated. Yeah, maybe. Um, there's a different word. Undurchsichtig. Oh, yeah, you know. Um, no, but yeah. So it, I find it difficult to to kind of understand where they're coming from and where they where they're really gonna go. And it's mm -hmm. hard for me to to develop um, a lot of trust towards the developer team, especially with the change now from a one dot x to two dot whatever to to angular mm -hmm. 2 yeah. because angular 2 from what i've seen i saw a little video is very different i think it's much better than angular from what i've seen like it's just very superficial uh, my understanding so far but from what i've seen it looks much uh, much better because directives kind of go away and instead of directives you have components and they're much simpler they're the syntax for the templates is better and, and yeah, so they basically, they learned a lot, they're breaking it all down, they're making it better. Mm -hmm. But the question is just, you know, when is this, when is this going to happen again? You know, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. how fast, like, and also, honestly, people who are, I can't, I don't really see an elegant transition from the one X to the two. If it's so radically different, there probably isn't. I mean, that's the same thing that happened with Symphony 1 and Symphony 2, mm -hmm. where, you know, um, it's just not, you cannot justify the time and money spent to basically rewrite a Symphony 1 app into Symphony 2. I mean, right. I, I work in Symphony 2 now, and it has all the, you know, nice things of uh, modern PHP, and it's a joy compared to Symphony 1. So it, it always sucks to have to go back and work on, an, on a legacy app. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I could imagine the same thing sort of happening with, with Angular stuff because those apps, you know, some of those are probably quite long-lived and they're not going to go away. But it yeah. probably is also not worth, um, you can't justify to, you know, spend another year to rewrite it in, in Angular 2 or something like that. So yeah. that's a big problem. But uh, to be fair, of course, <clears throat> um, this situation was very similar uh, on the Ember side as well, right? When they were changing the API all the time. But maybe they were a little bit more um, open with the fact that maybe you shouldn't use it right now. Yeah, I guess. Like but, you know, if it's pre 1.0, it's sort of understood that, you know, things are going to change. But, exactly. You know, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah. But I, I wanted to pick up on, on the thing that you said that you found Angular messy. You know, I mm -hmm. haven't written anything in Angular, but. 
just from reading about it and and watching screencasts and stuff like that, it does seem like it doesn't have um, that. Uh, I guess the guide rails or the the bumpers, you know, that you have in bowling that you put up for little kids. Mm-hmm. Sort of the uh, the strictness and and there's these two two sides to that story, I guess. But that's yeah. something that I have experienced on the very very sort of bad side where you're using something that lets you go into the weeds and um, it will happen and it does happen when you have more than two or three people working on something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember, you know, back when we were doing the C++ stuff, there was no no standard and we weren't using any kind of framework, obviously. And we couldn't even agree on using, you know, a specific XML parser. There were like three different implementations of XML parsers within the same product. It mm-hmm. was crazy, you know, and that is just such <laughs> a, a time sink, you know, oh, and the yeah, same thing, you know, oh my God. the same thing happens as far as I know, you know, with, with backbone and, and, and angular apps where you basically are writing or solving a lot of the problems that are already been solved in something like Ember, for example, mm-hmm. and you're spending so much time doing that over and over again. So I, I just think, you know, what, what's the point? Why would I want to do that? You know, because these uh, getting back to the XML stuff, those parsers, they they sucked compared to using some some open source or even closed source library that, you know, is tried and tested by maybe hundreds or even thousands of people in many different apps across years. You know, there's mm-hmm. no way you as a single person can can come up with something that's as good as that. So that's yeah. a strong point for me for you know going something that is 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 much um stricter and has a better structure you're just more productive in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah uh that's also the the benefit i see from from using using ember um because at the end of the day when you are working on a bigger app or with a larger team all that work that ember has built in basically the structure and how to build your app the tooling the ember cli how the compiling works and what how the what kind of modules you're using so basically with ember cli ember cli is becoming the standard the standard kind of built tool oh it is they put it on the on the on the the website website. even yes so 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 now you have all Everybody who does Ember, like the whole community, basically is on Ember CLI now. Uh, period, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when you and when you when you look into um, and so, first of all, I think that's very beneficial because I think uh, Ember CLI is very impressive. It's very good work, and um, and there's so much to gain from everybody just using using the same kind of build tasks tasks and 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 uh, scripts and and so forth yeah and it also you know lowers the barrier to entry i mean for totally. you know example people like me or beginners in in this field just to not have to build your own build pipeline is is huge it's i mean huge. all the stuff you have to understand and know and figure out in order to do that correctly is <clears throat> insane yes I mean, and if even like I love, you know, building, uh, I love building those the build tools and build scripts and, and using Gulp or Grunt or whatever to, to set up, like, you know, the whole, uh, uh, the tooling for a project or whatever. But if you, if you, 
if you can be just happy with this one tool and you can always use it and everybody uses it and everybody knows how, how to use it, you don't have to think about, okay, hmm, am I going to use Browserify or am I going to use Require.js? What does the company want? Do, do the people want? No, there's no discussion. It's, right. it's just like ES6 modules and broccoli underneath. And then here's where you put your files and blah, 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 blah. I mean, th that is that is like... It's just insane. It is. I mean, it, that solves the whole problem that uh, I had in the beginning when you watched that uh, the video that Tom Dale did um, about you know creating that blog uh, application. Basically, going from that where you have your templates in in the HTML file and they're all together, and then you have all your JavaScript in one app, you know, file, mm -hmm. to try to figure out how to go to the next step where you have. Um, you know, how you organize your files and how you glue everything back together. For me, that was just, that would have been a showstopper. I mean, if, if, um, at that time it was, um, uh, was it Ember app kit had come out, I think yeah, I would have been in trouble. <laughs> at least I would have, I don't know if I would have been, you know, able to work through all that in, in the time that I had. So yeah. that was really neat. And now with Ember CLI, that's, it's amazing. And I think if you have tools like that to get you started, you know, it's not like you have to never learn this stuff, but at least it helps you out and it, it lets you, you know, start out at a much higher point. And then you can still come back and figure out how things work in detail if you want to or if you need to. But it's not something that you are required to do to start doing or building the app that you actually want to build. So yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this uh, it's it's really all optimized for productivity at the, uh, in the, uh, at the end of the day and it's a, similar to 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 you know ruby on rails where yehuda is coming from exactly and, yeah. and angular i mean it has been said many times angular is more like a, a set of tools that you can put together how you want so you know to build your own framework so to speak right yeah and you can sort of sprinkle it on existing um apps too i guess from what i understand um angular that is you mean on on existing in existing legacy apps for example you mm -hmm. can you can basically bring in you know um angular stuff <laughs> yeah i i guess i mean you can yeah you can you can use you can use just angular directives or or just do a little bit of data binding or whatever exactly yeah, definitely <clears throat> but i think you can do that with ember too if you want you can you can do s similar things, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think that's what you know the target is. Yeah. No, of course not. Oh, and also what I also like about since we we're talking about what we like about Ember, what I also like about Ember is that you have a lot of um, apps, big public apps. Some of them are open source. Some of them. Um, um, are not open source, but but all of those apps. I mean, they showed also some new ones that are written written in Ember, that really look beautiful and, uh, and yeah, and like with some of them, you can actually look at the code and you can learn from the code how to write big Ember apps. And and Yehuda and Tom also work on a big Angular, <coughs> uh, sorry Ember app. So they so they have the same kind of needs and the same they f they have they feel the pain of a developer, and they 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 know how how the the framework really has to develop 
to be uh, the best framework it can be for developers who use it to build big apps. And on the Angular side, for me, there's absolutely no application I could tell you from the top of my head that is written in Angular. And also, of course, there's nothing... I don't know any big application that would be open source and would be in Angular. Mm -hmm. and, and that, I know, I that, know one. <laughs> you do? It's, uh, it's maybe not. I don't know if you know what what just what's uh, big, but uh, do you know uh, App Agility? No, no. So Zend, um, they're the guys that um, um, put out PH, um, yeah, various PHP products, mm -hmm. and. Um, one of their uh, newest products, they actually have the Zen framework and um, I think also an IDE for PHP. But um, they came out with this. Um, it's basically an, it's a, it's a, it's an application to write uh, APIs. Mm -hmm. um, and you, there's basically a, a GUI that will let you configure your API endpoints and um, does actually a pretty nice job. And that whole GUI is actually an Angular app. Okay, cool. So you can, and it's the whole thing is, I, I believe, yeah, it is open source. So you can go and look at that. Oh, so that's awesome. Yeah. There should, there should be more. And, and also the Angular team should definitely um, make a bigger fuss, fuss about apps like that. Yeah, I mean, I just know that by coincidence because I know that product. Um, and like I said, I don't really follow what's going on um, with uh, – with Angular too much, I have heard some interviews, and I have to say that, um, yeah, they're just not the same <laughs> as the as the Ember ones. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. So th th that's yeah. I mean, they're they're of course super smart people and stuff. Oh, absolutely. But, but they they seem a little bit more removed from um, from the developer in the trenches. Yeah. to me but that's just a feeling and it's very unqualified so i don't yeah wanna, I, I guess don't. to be fair though too their they had their community is so much bigger you know maybe they can't it is. um uh they can't really be that close because it just it doesn't scale i guess um <clears throat> at yeah. least that's my you know unprofessional opinion but if you you know ember i think and angular the uh the communities are vastly different in size I yeah that's true yeah but um yeah they're doing a fantastic job i mean this um just for my little talk i mean i uh, i wrote to leah you know at tilda and mm -hmm. uh asked her you know if she had some artwork and stuff that i can use for my talk and the next day she had replied and sent me a high resolution picture or image of um, you know the ember logo mm -hmm. and uh, wished me all the best and it was so cool i mean awesome you know, Within 24 hours, I get an answer and encouragement. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I guess she's the one that uh, she put on EmberConf. And uh, oh, I think wow. one of my, uh, one of my, well, she's, yeah, pretty much the main organizer as far as I know. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything I've heard, you know, I followed all the, the tweets from all the various people that day. And I just wanted to get on a plane and go to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm also. I I really love their the whole little um, community and and just uh, just it all speaks to me like the whole philosophy and 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 what they do. Yeah. Totally, but um, I have not really I have not really written anything uh, big in Ember at all. Like I only did I did one of the the code school tutorial thingy 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know know it, which, it yeah. which was also recommended by Yura Katz. So that's why I chose to do it. And yeah, but that was very enjoyable. I mean, um, and and uh, but I didn't have the opportunity to actually use it in in um, in applications so far. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. your your employer? Do they do any Ember work at all, or is it all any um, other stuff? Uh, so far, no. Uh, mm-hmm. And the the latest requests we got that were um, JavaScript related and framework related were all Angular requests specifically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And That's also, I, at some point back in the day, when I when I well, it's not it's not that far in the past, but when I when I started doing. Uh, working with Angular, I just made the decision that hey, I'm going to use Angular now and use it for a couple of apps. And I put my, I, I listed my name under. Um, there's a, this website AngularJS.de for the German Angular com- community, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can you can uh, just put in your name as an and just basically say I'm an Angular developer. You can okay. contact me here. Yeah. And through that, I'm actually. Every now and then, I'm getting contacted by people who are who are looking for Angular developers. Okay. Yeah, so that just tells me because there's a bunch of people on that site. It just tells me that, and I, you know, I don't really have like any credentials out there. Like, hey, this is a big Angular developer. I just put my name up there, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I'm still getting like a bunch of requests and people. It really seem like really in need. Like there's such a demand. It's yeah, a, it's very um, interesting. I mean, it's a great opportunity for um, Angular developers or consultants. That's for sure. Yep. Currently. Yeah, I don't think there's going to dry up too soon. But it is interesting that you know, in Europe or Germany in particular, and I don't have any scientific numbers, but when you go to the meetups, you can tr- you can see. You know, Angular versus Ember is just you know day and night and day. I mean, mm-hmm. so many, so many Angular people, and one or two maybe Ember people, and uh, you sort of see it in the in the the meetups too. If you look at obviously, well, London, you can't really compare, but um, um, they seem to be on average sort of, I guess, bigger or larger in 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 members. Then, for example, I think there's one in Munich. I don't even know of any other meetup in Germany for Ember. There's mm-hmm. a, only that one in Munich. Yeah. And that's it. That's, so. yeah. It's like, wow, that's <laughs> pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm already thinking about uh, uh, starting like an Ember meetup. Oh. <laughs> in Karlsruhe or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I would just like to. I would just like the, to see what you know. Like even if just five people show up, uh, the responses would be very interesting. Yeah. 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 Would be very interesting. I mean, I don't even know if you would even get enough speakers speakers <laughs> together. But yeah. But then you could maybe maybe you could have like people from London like phoning in via Skype or whatever. And yeah, they do <laughs> so that. They. I mean, uh, the the New York Ember Group. They're they're insane. I mean, they have quite a setup. Mm-hmm. I think they had one guy call in from Europe once. Um, cool. And, you know, that's nighttime in New York. This, this guy was up, yeah. you know, at like 2 o'clock in the morning or something giving his uh, presentation at, awesome. at Ember, New York, New York City. Yeah, it seems like New York and, and London are really strong. They're very strong, yeah. Very, strong very professional. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 
yeah so yeah so your, your amber talk was was really cool and uh and so basically i found myself um um thinking about uh what to do with this podcast because i was struggling to keep up with scheduling and because the original plan from the beginning was always to to post weekly uh episodes and I found myself struggling with with that plan um, because it is a lot of work to actually schedule the guests and then interview them and then um, edit the podcast and upload it and everything. <clears throat> and I was thinking about how can I, what can I do to make to make this podcast a weekly thing. Um, And at the end of the day, I thought, okay, well, I need to have an opportunity, the possibility to to do episodes that don't demand as much work as the interview shows did. So I was thinking about maybe, hey, maybe I should do like short episodes where I just sit in front of the mic and talk into the mic and say things that I'm thinking about or something like that. Um, or maybe I could just see if somebody um wants to wants to help out and be co-host and 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 part of this podcast. So I reached out to you and I asked you if you would want to be um a co-host for this podcast um and uh was very happy that you actually agreed to do that with me. So that's why we're doing this episode as well to introduce you to the listeners. And um yeah, so I'm excited about this. I am extremely excited about this too. I was very <laughs> flattered. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, due to the nature of my my work, I am like I said, I work remote. I've done so for geez six years now. Um, so it's always fun to get together, even if it's just on the phone or Skype, and um, yeah, talk nerdy stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so the plan is, so the plan is um, basically that um, there's going to be interview shows, like you know they used to be so far, and then uh, in between those shows, there might be one or or sometimes maybe two shows um, that will be uh, will have a different format. It's just going to be you and me, and we're going to talk about. Um, subjects that we prepared before something that we thought was interesting to talk about and they might those episodes might be shorter and um and they will not contain any music picks in the end because i was cutting in the music and stuff like that so that takes away a little time for me and i hope that i will be able to 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 edit those episodes quicker and put them up quicker so so that is that is the plan i also really like these kind of these types of shows I, i'm a avid podcast listener so i i like interview shows but i also like this other type of shows where people who know each other just come together and talk about a subject that i'm interested in so i hope that this will this will work out absolutely yeah we'll, no it sounds like something that could be a lot of fun and i mean you know It's the topic we're passionate about, so it shouldn't be too hard yeah. to find to find topics. And uh, yeah, I guess like you said, you know, I think you you mentioned ATP, and um, what was it? 
I think there's there's some that I listen to like uh, Vector and uh, uh-huh. yeah, uh, Pragmatic things like that. They're basically just you know a bunch of guys and girls getting together and shooting the breeze about some kind of subject, yeah, which exactly. is tech related. But yeah, should be awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. So I was wondering. I didn't tell you that before. I was wondering if you could give me. Um, because you, I know that because you have you gave me feedback before about this podcast, right? So I know that you've been listening to, I don't know, all of the episodes or some or most of them, right? I think I got all but one or two so okay. far. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so I was wondering if you could give me um, like some candid feedback about the podcast. And okay. I, I'm not necessarily interested in thinking <clears throat> about... Uh, hearing about the the stuff that you like because I know that <laughs> you <laughs> you have expressed so far that you liked some of the episodes and stuff so I'm very happy about that of course mm-hmm. um, but I would like to I I'm wondering because I'm because um, so far and I think it's always it's unlikely to get to get negative feedback so I would like to know if there's anything that you think I could uh, or we could we'll see you know like Uh, since you're joining so if we could improve to make this thing better just off okay. the top of your head if you have any yeah thoughts. well it's the only and i don't you know i don't really even see this as a terribly negative thing but i remember the the podcasts that are or the episodes that are maybe longer than an hour and a half it takes me a long time to get through those because i don't have an hour and a half at a time to listen. <laughs> so okay, okay. I remember, I can't remember her name, but she she worked for SoundCloud. It was oh yeah, too, um, uh, Tiffany. Yes, Tiffany. Yeah. Um, I was I was listening to that and it's a great show. I mean, you know, it's, it's so easygoing, fun conversation. So I liked listening to it, but I wondered like, why the heck after a week am I still on this? <laughs> <laughs> Because... Because I only have like uh, 20 minutes or so in in the drives. Um, okay. Kids to school, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that one was stuck in my player for a long time. Like, wow, what's going on here? So then I, I looked at it, and it's it's exceptionally, or it's longer, much longer than than the rest of them. Yeah. But um, other than out. that, I mean, I like the the interview um style and i know this is positive feedback but <laughs> the, the thing that you know if you look at um the other the other podcasts for example mm. um they get straight to the point they talk about a specific subject assuming that everybody knows who the people are that are on the show mm-hmm. and they do maybe you know a two sentence introduction hey my name is so and so i work here now and i've done this i've done this or that great open source project But what I like here is is basically sort of you get the origin story mm-hmm. of, uh, um, you know, your guests. And that's something really, really cool because when you, do, you don't get that. And that to me is something interesting because a lot of times it's it's something that you share. You know, you yeah. have some so similar story, similar experience, and it's just fun to hear that. So. Cool. Well, I'm very, I'm very glad to hear that because I think I also think that this is this is the the thing where I try to uh, distinguish myself from other interview podcasts, maybe that 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 are technical and that you know are about JavaScript. Um, also, because on the one hand, um, I'm personally interested in where they're coming from. Those people, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in hearing about their background and just getting more context. Um, 
about those people that I'm kind of following on the internet and like um, very interested about, you know, in their work and all this stuff. And also what I was also thinking is that I think it could also be because, because those uh, backstories are so diverse and so different. Um, it could also inspire people maybe, you know, um, absolutely to 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 get into something or even if they have like something like uh what's it called again uh imposter syndrome or something like that you know like to make them feel better exactly because i was actually surprised about many of the guests that that you know they they came out and said oh i got into programming very late in life you know exactly where they 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 didn't even go to school for it and um you know started basically they started some other career and then went into that just to show that you know not everybody is is you know writing software at age six or something like that like some of these guys that are yeah i wrote my first program when i was six years old i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) so yeah very very interesting and um you can sort of hear out you know a little bit the thing that you mentioned about imposter syndrome when people sort of doubt themselves and and uh you know are not sure that they they deserve what what they're getting i guess as far as you know recognition and praise and stuff like that so mm-hmm. pretty cool no i definitely like that and and i can't while you were talking i was trying to think of something else um maybe not so positive but mm-hmm. i i honestly can't think of anything okay that's good well i was wondering and so another question about the podcast how do you feel about this whole uh picks section in the end and the, and the music pick and stuff so i'm, I'm just gonna um tell you what i was thinking so what i'm thinking me personally i for some reason i really love the pick section on javascript jabber and there's another show that i was listening to called systematic that is like one half is interview the other half is just picks and they kind of all nerd out on the picks <laughs> and and um and and i really enjoy that because it's like hey cool something cool that i can check out that might be interesting for me and and i found you know a couple of things that i liked um on the picks on JavaScript Jabber, and then on, and then I just added I did that and I added the music pick because I I'm I've been music is a big part of my life I've always been you know doing music and and I'm interested in what people what the, the the people kind of listen to because it's also such a weird thing nowadays because there's not this kind of MTV MTV uh, mind uh, you know uh, a mind controlling thing that tells everybody what's cool so (laughs) everybody has to find their own thing on the internet and stuff like that so that's that's what what the thinking was behind it no i think it 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 adds very much to to your previous thought you know giving context to to Mm -hmm. a person because it it says a lot about a person and it also it can go in really fun directions that have absolutely nothing to do with programming i mean i was so fascinated by uh, you know what Michael had to say about his coffee. Um, yeah. You know, so cool. I immediately looked that up, and because uh, there was a time when I I did the whole you know grinding and and doing the whatever um, I can't even remember what it's called now, mm-hmm. but basically this press where you can make this your own like one cup of coffee. Yeah. The coffee French in the office, yeah, exactly, sucked so terribly, and it was always bitter. So I made my own, but mm-hmm. you know, just to hear him say that, and he travels with a bunch of coffee gear, and it's just really cool. You know, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. And uh, very, awesome. um, uh, yeah, a lot of information in there as well. And then the music pick, of course, 
it's very interesting to see you know what people are listening to so is it annoying to cut in the music because i have not got gotten any feedback about this but is it annoying to cut in the feedback should i just leave it out or is it cool to have it in there and just to listen for for a minute i think um the way it's you've done it lately is probably the best okay um i think i learned i listened to some of the earlier ones where you would basically end the podcast and then play either the whole song or part of it afterwards yeah, yeah. um you know people might not stick around for that yeah. i don't know um i think it's nicer when it's integrated it seems mm. like it's uh, part of it and it, with when you play it afterwards it's sort of uh disjointed i guess mm -hmm. so yeah even if there's a little bit of talking over it that doesn't doesn't seem to bother it unless um i heard you talk about the frequency with uh, sean divine you know with his ad music if that doesn't <laughs> work for the particular <laughs> song then yeah. maybe not <laughs> well i actually had some of those cases where you just have to then you turn down the music then yeah. but basically but then ha what happens then uh you just don't you just don't really hear the music at all anymore yeah. But but I mean then there's always this part that I leave like I leave like the first verse or whatever I play at full volume and um right. and, and so yeah so I'm just wondering no, so maybe you found, also you found a good balance with that I think yeah okay yeah. yeah that's that's good to know so I'm also interested just for the listeners if you have any feedback on those particulars of the show um, if if something can be improved or or yeah anything like that i'm very interested in that kind of feedback mm, okay yeah um yeah nothing right now but uh no i was just saying the to the to the listeners I was, oh i see i, see, I was okay. just kind of if calling out awesome <laughs> participation <laughs> please yes exactly yeah, yeah 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 and i also think that you also already you made a few um interesting suggestions on maybe how to um to make the Listen, to get more listeners a little bit of marketing and listener participation and stuff like that so yeah, um, yeah I'm definitely interested in, in kind of in going into that a little bit cool. and yeah so especially if you if you you know you can help out a little bit that would be great because at the end of the day it's it's yeah, with absolutely. a full-time job it's a it's a it's a lot to try I to 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 I can imagine, show. yeah. And I mean, that's one thing they always say, you know, if you're doing something like this or, I mean, obviously organizing a meetup or something like that, never do it alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's too hard. Yeah. 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 All right, let's go into the picks. What's your first pick? All right. Um, well, I am, uh, hmm, I started using Vim about, must be now two, two years ago or more. Um, there was this uh, article and I took... Uh, It was basically, uh, it's called the Vim Challenge, and it was by, I think, Steve Franca. He wrote, um, I think, Hugo, the latest uh, Go blog engine, and he's known as SPF 13 on the web. Um, he wrote this really, really nice uh, package for, um, for getting started with Vim. So he basically cool. lined out what you need to do, yada, yada, yada. So I've been doing that for two years, and now the problem is, is when you're using Vim is you expect to have those keystrokes work everywhere else too. And that <laughs> sucks. Yeah. But uh, my pick is Vimium, and that is actually a Chrome plugin or a Chrome extension that lets you navigate the entire browser with Vim shortcuts, oh which my is God. totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so if I want to jump to uh, you know any kind of link on the page or just hit F and they all get highlighted with a letter, 
and I just hit that letter or two letter combination and it goes to that link and I can, you know, navigate forward and backwards mm -hmm. just as I would in a document in BIM. Mm -hmm. So that is um, really, really awesome. So I love Vimium. That's why that's my first pick. Cool. Sounds, sounds great. I, I've been, I've been, I've been kind of flirting with the idea to get into Vim since a long time. Cause I've, cause I, cause I kind of feel like I would love to be able to do all that stuff with the keyboard and there are some things that annoy me in those other editors the normal ones and uh but i have not i would say dared to try to get into it yet it is very painful <laughs> <laughs> it's a long and painful road and yeah. and i think you know it's with all these kind of things I'm, i'm not saying that you know vim is everything in the best and whatever i think it's You pick something and you learn it well and you dedicate yourself and then you're, yeah. you, know, you become productive regardless of what that is. I just was fed up with, um, you know, all the others basically hogging my, my system resources and said, okay, forget this. I'm going to the basics. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it was, it was not easy, I have to say. And, you know, I, I, I don't think you ever stop learning um, that thing because it's just it's insane. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. So Vimium is my first pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To for me, it looks like I will have to. So I'm I'm currently using Adam, mm -hmm. the GitHub editor thingy, and um, and and my colleagues are all using like PHP Storm or WebStorm mm -hmm. by by Intelli. Is it IntelliJ or something like that? I think so. Yeah. Um, and that edit editor is crazy powerful i mean the kind of especially for javascript and stuff like the kind of um support it has for different frameworks and for you know, grunt and it's just insane like is it yeah is it performant i mean is yes, it yes it is i mean nice, you need you nice. need a nice machine you need a nice machine of yeah. course like you should have like an ssd drive and yeah you know but is it based on on is it a java yeah it's thing? a java thing it yeah. is really mm -hmm. on it work it's performant okay because yeah. i was on netbeans and you know all the other things that came out before that and yeah. it just it was ugh, horrible yeah i know yeah. no but but uh, the webstorm like that really like i've heard from so many people now um colleagues that i also you know respect and trust mm -hmm. they totally like they swear on it and it's it's fast and it, it 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 really makes it easier for you and you can do a lot of stuff just in there and um and yeah it's java but it's the the team behind it is just killer like they're they're also iterating really quickly whenever there's a new framework or you know that blows up and needs they need they feel like they need to support it it's the support is in there really quickly mm -hmm. and um yeah the thing That's is just like it you have to pay for it right it's it, it costs for a single like a private license or whatever it's like I think 80 bucks or 60 mm -hmm. or 70 something like that. And then for every new version you have to you have to pay again. So it's yeah. it's it's a little pricey. Yeah. That's for sure. But if you know, if that's what you pick as your main thing then that's not that big of a price, I think. Yeah, that's 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 yeah. true. And mostly may, your sounds... your employer will be able to to pay exactly. for that. Yeah. yeah, but it sounds interesting. It sounds maybe they they finally got it right. That'd be awesome. I mean, From what I'm hearing, yes, uh, and <clears throat> yeah. So they definitely 
lording it over me that I don't have a, <laughs> an automatic this and automatic that yeah. and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, but I, I really also, I do a lot of stuff just in the console because I, I like it a little bit more low level. Yeah. Because sometimes I definitely have seen this WebStorm thing kind of just um, fall over itself with the indexing and caching and stuff that it does. That's where that's where I, I always had my beefs with those when I would, yeah. you know, get a drop down it would take two seconds or more to populate i'm like no this is ridiculous you know <laughs> and and the thing is too you know my my work is mostly back end so i'm constantly in some shell on some server and yeah, vim is it's perfect. you know vim is there so yeah. but anyway yeah okay so uh let's go to my first pick my first pick is actually uh, an episode of the frontside podcast that i've just listened to today mm -hmm. it's episode 19 i saw you tweet about that <laughs> Man, that episode is crazy. There, there is, uh, I think uh, it sounds like they've been, they recorded it at EmberConf maybe, mm -hmm. um, or just after or something like that. Um, there's Tom Dale is on the on the podcast on the episode, and then a guy called Alex Matchnier, yep. who I have not, who I don't, I don't know who he is. He's but, a core team member. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. And. Those guys, and of course, then there's Brandon from the front side, yep. right? And You've had him on here too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. he was episode yeah. two, I think, even mm -hmm. pretty early. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that episode was crazy. Like they they were just basically they were talking about they were do, doing a little bit, you know, the stuff that that um, I'm doing here in the interviews. We're going going back into the past and you know. Uh, discussing on how they got started in programming and stuff like that but of course completely different because they know each other apparently like that's how it feels like they know each other quite well yep and um and there was just crazy. it was very it was a really funny episode i thought very yeah. funny <laughs> i was laughing my i was just grinning the whole time yeah and as I was really grinning the whole time, and um, and I just thought, yeah, it was just incredibly funny, and they were co constantly cracking jokes, and the chemistry was just amazing. So yeah. I think this would be an awesome podcast just to have every week. Like I think I would even pay money for that. Great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there was, was even cool. a little jab at the picks and stuff. Like there was like <laughs> Brandon at the end was was like. Um, yeah, so let's do the picks because I don't really know how to end a podcast otherwise. It seems <laughs> like you always have to have picks. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny because because it's I think all the JavaScript I think all the podcasts that that are on devchat.tv where the JavaScript Jabber podcast is on. Oh, yeah. They all have some sort of a pick at the end. I'm doing the thing with the pigs, and Brennan was on, so maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's becoming a thing. <laughs> yeah, and also I think I saw a tweet by Jen Schiffer um, a few months ago where she was kind of making fun of the pics on her podcast that she uh -huh. was on, or two podcasts she was on, and there were pics on the podcast and stuff like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it's a, the, the thing is, you know, with the pics, it is – it is curating, you know? It it's, is, yeah. That's what it is. Like, you want the people... It's it's just kind of taking the opportunity to find out about cool shit that you might also like. Uh, yeah, that's all it is. And it's like a link blog, but a little better because you exactly. get more... Um, yeah. yeah, you get... It's like a little uh, intro to it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my first pick. Nice. Uh, what's your... 
All second right. One. Uh, my second one is uh, the keynote from uh, RailsConf Chicago 2014. Um, it's 10 years by Yehuda Katz. And um, he talks in that about uh, convention over configuration, but how he um, starts this or, or, or frames it is that he talks more about the scientific um, background of why that is a good thing. Um, basically explaining why um, cognitive depletion happens. So basically you have this, this limited or finite amount of um, decision-making capacity per day. Yeah. And um, by using something like Rails or Ember or configure, configuration, I mean convention over configuration, um, a lot of those small decisions that you have to constantly make are basically made for you and you don't have to use up your your reservoir of um, <clears throat> decision, you know, capacity, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's a good thing. And of course, you know, um, it's uh, it's entertaining and it's it's really, it's backed up with, you know, he, he mentions various uh, scientific studies and things like that and has really, really good examples of um, how how this works and uh, very, very interesting. So I would highly recommend to, to, to watch that. Cool. Yeah, I think I, I actually saw that one too. And I very much enjoyed that one as well. All right. Yeah, so my second pick is, um, it's a book. It's called Mort. It's by Terry Pratchett. And I'm picking this book because Terry Pratchett died today. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, do you know Terry Pratchett? Who he is? No, no, that's just... Uh, so he is... He is I only I don't know a lot about him. I only know that he is the author of the Discworld novels. So those are, um, and there's lots of them. So he he made he wrote those books, and they all take place on um, on a world that's called the Discworld. And those books were they're fantasy books, but they're um, comedic fantasy. Mm -hmm. So. He and he is he is um, I think he's from from the UK, and his humor was just incredible. It was just uh, very like it's dry, and he's kind of in each book he would take like a subject from our real world here and kind of transfer it into that fantasy world and just and just endlessly make fun of it, you know and. Um, uh, for me and I think for many other people also, he's like the equivalent to uh, Douglas Adams, but just, you know, like in the fantasy world. Douglas mm -hmm. Adams is the one who, who wrote uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. A little bit because it's a similar kind of humor, but uh, but it is all in a fantasy world. So there's there's wizards and, um, you know, like weird gods and goblins and trolls and all of this kind of stuff. And... Um, and there was just like it's just so witty and it's um it's like a, some of his books were really like uh some of them were just absurd and funny and some were like a critique you know like like on society itself or different aspects of it or religion or whatever so mm -hmm. they're really 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 um good books and they and and um there's a huge you know fan base and everything so yeah, I heard that he died today, and it just um, to me, to me, I was I, I I was a little sad, but at the same time, um, it made me think of uh, really 
cool time I had when I was reading this book um, called Mort. Mm -hmm. And and um, so I read, a, I think altogether, I read maybe like three or four books by Terry Pratchett. And but Mort was the one that I enjoyed the most. And, and I just um, and I, I just always remember it. And so what the book was about was about. So the, there's this disc world and it's just a flat. It's, you know, a flat world. It's not round like ours. It's flat. Mm -hmm. So at, so so like you like they thought in the Middle Ages or whenever that was that you would right. fall off the edges and stuff. Right. If you <laughs> if you if you take your ship too far out. Yeah. And, um, and and then this disc world sits on four elephants and it's. And those four elephants, they are standing on a huge um, turtle. <laughs> and that turtle is kind of floating through space. Okay. So that is, so that is the world, right? Wow. And, uh, yeah. And uh, great illustrations, by the way, as well in those books um, of the Discworld and the different characters. And uh, so, so Mort was, the, the story was about this guy whose name is Mort and um, he was living on a farm, I think, and, and, and he had problems getting a job. And there is this thing where um, the farmers or whoever, the, the fathers basically would bring their, their kids or their sons, maybe only to the, to, to the market once a week or whatever. And then they would, you know, the, the, they would stand there and they could, be chosen for an apprenticeship, right? Mm -hmm. And Mort, he just never got, he was never chosen, <laughs> right? To, to become an apprentice for anybody. And so on this one day, he stands there and it gets dark and he is the only person standing there. Um, for some reason, he's, I don't know what the reason was, he's waiting until his father's coming or whatever to pick him up. And, um, and, and somebody actually shows up and it turns out that, uh, so this person is talking to him and he can't really see him, but he kind of senses that he's there and he can, can hear his voice, but he hears his voice in, in his, his head, right? He doesn't really hear a voice. He just hears somebody talking in his head. And then it turns out that the guy who is uh, hiring him as an apprentice is, um, is death, right? So death comes there with his cloak and, and his, his horse and death. So he basically made this, um, yeah, this interesting character who death, who can walk around on the disc, uh, disc world, um, uh, world and people don't really see him because they don't believe that death exists. So because they don't believe that he exists, they don't see him, right? Mm -hmm. Just their mind kind of just blocks him out. And so he can walk around and do whatever he wants. And, um, and, uh, but, if he, but he can actually talk to people and then they will hear what he's saying in their head. They don't hear a voice. <laughs> And they will kind of acknowledge that there is somebody, but they can't really tell who he is or what he's doing. So he can basically, you know, manipulate them to do stuff or right. whatever. So, so basically, the, he asks his the Mort's father, then if he can, t or he tells him he wants uh, Mort as an apprentice, and and the father's happy. He has no idea who he's talking to, but he says, oh, "Finally, somebody's picking up my my son uh, to be an apprentice." And so he becomes Death's apprentice, and he goes into this place where death is living and it's 
there's just a big it's a big uh place where there's a lot it's a different dimension i think or something like that it's, too, it's like well i don't know like 15 years ago that i let uh, <laughs> I read this book but there was like lots of different um how do you call those sand uh sand ur? what's it in english um oh boy the little I, like yeah i don't even know huh uh, Where you can see where basically the the people's time is running out, you know, those yep. little sand, yeah. sand thingies, and and then he he really has to go and he has to harvest them, right? He is death. He has mm -hmm. to go and right. pick them up and the go souls, and, and then he has yeah. to take the souls somewhere. I think put in in a jar or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know something weird. And 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 so he gets his apprentice because he wants somebody else to do the job because he wants he wants to go, uh, you know, on vacation and and kind of hang around in the city and and live uh, live a little basically. <laughs> <laughs> so so that this whole story is about how. How Mort is starting to do the job, you know, death's job, and death is just roaming around in the city and trying alcohol, and it's just falling through his ribs because he doesn't have a body and stuff like that. It's wow. just absolutely hilarious. Like, I had so much fun reading this book. So so basically, in, in memory of Terry Pratchett, I'm picking Mort. Interesting. Wow. All right. Um, yeah, my next pick is... Uh a website or a service called untapped and um well i like beer i like trying different kinds of beer and um this is an interesting story behind this uh, the founder greg avola i think is his name he um he's same thing he likes beer and uh, he had this idea with a buddy of his to come up with this website where you could track um, what kind of beers you drink and rate them, <laughs> write notes about them, and then has this social aspect to it. So you can have, you know, invite friends and stuff like that. So you can see what your buddies are drinking and where and all this kind of stuff. So um, it's just a fun thing to do. I have a few people that I, I like to do this, um, this thing with. We get together and, um, you know, get like a 12 pack of all different beers and then like three or four of us we split the whole beer and then try it and give our two cents to it and um, put it on untapped so it has a, it's actually a website it's u-n-t-a-p-p-d without the e.com so untapped.com and it has an app too for the iphone probably for android as well and so you can just uh sort of track your your different uh um tastings and then after a while you know you sort of realize what the the things are that you like and don't like so just a fun thing to do cool <laughs> so do you like a lot of different beers like the bitter um, ones and the sweet ones and yeah know? it's uh i guess i i would say my favorite our favorites are the belgian ales okay but then there's um really strange ones that i i i would think that i would never like but for example there was a a honey basil ale that um sounds crazy but it's fantastic and um just recently i had a, a chocolate stout by rogue which is a brewery microbrewery in the united states and um that was just absolutely excellent wow yeah so i i don't really like the the stouts the dark beers they're you know you can you can like have half a beer or one and then you actually become more thirsty <laughs> because They're so thick and heavy. Mm. Um, but this one was really, really nice. So, yep. And then, cool. you know, of course, Hefeweizen. That's, uh, I guess that's sort of a number two. You um, And there's lots of that around here. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I don't like a lot of 
beers actually. I yeah. like the Kristall Weizen and the Weizen and Mm-hmm. And then like lagers, like the light, lighter things. The lighter things, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's actually funny because the one of my or the favorite Hefeweizen is actually from the United States. It's from a microbrewery there. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I would never would have never thought that, but mm-hmm. very good. Do you get the? Where do you get those beers from then? If you're here, <laughs> um, well, I have access to, um, uh, yeah, to. Uh, um, a store that's on the base here ah, in Hopstein. So okay. um, they have actually cycled through a lot of different things um, a lot. And, okay. Uh, so I can get stuff from, from the States. But I would say, you know, since I came here or came back here in 2012, that's all has really dwindled down because um, I don't have access or don't know of any stores that are comparable to what I had. It's in, in the Tampa Bay area where, yeah. you know, you can go and it take you two years to try everything that's in there and you'd have to drink three beers a day or something. Mm-hmm. You know, there's warehouses with hundreds and hundreds of single bottles that you can buy from all over the world. Yeah. yeah. So did we actually touch on why you actually ended up in Germany? Um, no, we didn't. I kind of missed that point or left that out. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my last pick and then and then okay. we can just uh, do that. Um, yeah, so my last pick uh, is quick. It's just the AmberConf keynote from this year, mm-hmm. which, like we just you know talked about before, was very was a great keynote. Was um, lots of information in there where you know they kind of recapping the last year. Um, and looking towards what's gonna come uh, in the next months and and uh, next year or this year basically, and um, just yeah, it's just a great great keynote that's um, entertaining on one hand and then on the other hand is also very informative if you want to know what's going on with Amber. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. so let's hear it. How did you, how did you end um, up in Germany again? Well, um, not again. It's actually the first time, right? <laughs> yeah, it went from Austria to Florida to Germany. To Germany, there you go. Yeah. Um, well, my wife and I had been sort of playing around with the idea of, of moving back to Europe uh, when we started having kids. And, you know, it's just what we know. And, um, yeah, so it, it sort of drew us back. And then we s- decided that maybe we should, you know, start to take various steps to try to make that a reality and um, trying to do um, cross-continental move um, is kind of difficult and uh, also expensive and um, Mm -hmm. you know as far as a uh, um, logistically it's it's very challenging because you know one of them one of us would have had to have a job here and um, you know you need certain certain kind of resources if the if the job itself wouldn't be paying for the for the for the move itself mm-hmm. so what happened is um we were t- we, you know it had been in we'd been in talks for months about it and shooting ideas back and forth and then my wife writes me an email from work one day and says hey i have a there's a job offering here in in lunch to germany do you know where that is <laughs> and i said yeah i think so and uh, it's right near um rammstein and um she said, should I apply? And I said, yeah, sure, go for it. Mm. So um, she did, and um, she got the gig, and then we moved over here. So now we're, we're here. Okay. <laughs> and nice. because, you know, I, I'm remote, I still work for the same company. Now mm-hmm. I'm just in a different time zone. 
Yeah. Um, so that still works. That's great yeah. that that works out. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, and so your wife is also European then? Yes. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where's, yeah, we, we both from? had to we both had to move to, to Florida to find it, each other. Yeah, to meet <laughs> Yeah, cool. She's born in, in Albania. She uh, moved to the States with her family. Oh. Okay. Uh yeah. And um, they're still there, her family's still there, and my parents live here in Germany. Yeah. Oh, not in Austria. Yes. No, they uh, they moved uh, before I no, af shortly after I went to the states they they moved to germany okay. where my dad had his uh he got a new business in organ building so cool yeah okay good we have now we have uh that cleared up what is your what is your music pick all right well i had to look quite a long time or think about it for a bit because um at the moment i don't really listen to um anything that's going on at the moment <laughs> when i uh when I need quiet or, or basically need to disconnect from noises uh, around when I'm working, I, I have to listen to instrumental stuff mm -hmm. because I cannot have voices or, you know, conversations going on because I will focus on the conversation and not on my work. Yeah. Um, so what I usually do is they're just uh, stream Pandora or, um, Proton Radio, which is basically, I listen to, Proton Radio is sort of house and techno, and then Proton, mm -hmm. uh, for Pandora, I just choose, you know, various channels that are also techno and, and house, and um, that's kind of the stuff I like to listen to when I'm coding. Okay. But other than that, I don't really, um, you know, around the house, it's usually um, stuff that the kids want to hear, and um, in the car, I'm listening to podcasts all the time. <laughs> So anyway, what I came up with is um, Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz. And um, okay. the reason for that is, uh, yeah, it's just, an I think, an awesome song. It reminds me of, you know, driving fast with the top down or something like that, or the moonroof open at least. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen Lenny Kravitz in concert twice, and uh, he's just an awesome, awesome performer. Um, he's played, I guess, in smaller venues where I saw him. I saw him in Miami once. Mm-hmm. That was the second time. It was just fantastic. That's I took my wife there, for, and she had seen him then for the first time. I was like, eh, whatever, okay, I'll come. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was, by the end, she was so excited. She was screaming, Lenny, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, that was a really good time. So he has an amazing stage presence. He's super talented, in my opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. when you watch him or hear about how he puts together his songs, he plays every instrument. And mm -hmm. anyway, just a feel-good song don't even really know what the lyrics are about but yeah. <laughs> I wish that I could fly into the sky so very high just like a dragonfly I fly above the trees over the seas and all the greens to anywhere I please song too right? back back in the day when it came out yep it is back in the day <laughs> <clears throat> yeah it's uh it's a while ago huh? 
Mm-hmm. For sure. But a cool song, yeah. Um, yeah, so so my pick today is a music pick today is actually not a track. It's um it's a little it's a Vine video. So okay. uh Vine, you know Vine, right? It's also yep. an Ember app, by the way. It is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, way to tie it in all together. Yeah. Um well um so it is it is a uh, so they go just seven seconds right so it's not a full song but um it's actually two guys who are covering a song a song that i don't really i've never heard before and um i'm just picking it because i've been i i i, I love to um i'm actually following a bunch of people on vine and um um, um, every now and then, I like to just scroll through and see uh, and see what, what you know funny stuff they did or whatever. And some of those people, they just do like very short little like they sing. You know, they just sing for seven seconds. Like they do a cover or something or something they came up with. And they're really t- young, pretty young. I think maybe 18 or something like that boys that that sing that cover um a track an rb track or something like that and um it's just beautiful i just i just thought like i, I keep i keep uh listening to that i just caught myself keep you know i looped that vine <laughs> like 10 <laughs> 20 times or something can you even tell what song it is i mean um short yeah, you can tell what the song is. I just don't. I just don't know the song, so I don't know what okay. the song. I, I think my wife knows it, knows it, but I don't know. I don't know the title. Let me see. It says. So the so the la- oh, oh, no, this uh, it went off in my ears. Um, so the line that they're singing is, "If our love is tragedy, why are you my remedy?" So I'm sure uh, the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do That's you know a, that song? Yeah. No, I don't. But I, I mean, that's enough of a chunk of lyrics that you can probably figure out what yeah is. yeah definitely yeah. and and so they i think it's not an r&b song i think my wife said but it's it's a different type of uh, genre and and they do they kind of do their r&b spin on it and then they end up singing um um harmonies mm-hmm. just the, the last few seconds is just harmonies and it's just beautiful how it how it ends so i kept just looping that that thing that they were doing and i really um so so I just made it my pick because it's awesome. It's great. Wow. If I love you strategy, why are you my remedy? If I love you strategy, why are you my remedy? If I Curious to hear that. That sounds interesting. I mean, it's almost like a new art form. Seven seconds of something. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, yeah, this, this is very popular uh, on Vine because on Vine you have lots of teenage um, people. And um, and there and there are a, really a bunch of really good kind of R and B singers. And and what you can do if you're a good R and B singer is that you can you can just riff really quickly on something. Mm-hmm. You know where they do this uh, uh, stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So they go through those notes really quickly and it just basically showing off their skills a little bit. And and it's very easy f- for them to do like little seven sn- uh, seconds like snippets improvisation on on something that people know already and those turn out to be really popular in vine apparently cool yeah and nice and, and the girls want to marry those guys <laughs> getting all excited yeah. <laughs> yeah so 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 that's that's the pick yeah cool all right so i can do the sign off it's uh 
it's uh, oh yeah and also what i wanted to say about the length uh, the length of the episodes um this is something i've been people have been discussing episode length on podcasts since there's podcasts and oh, yeah <laughs> yeah and there are a lot of people who are like oh i have to like this is po this podcast is only 10 minutes and it's great because it's just 10 minutes and then there's the people who just do the half an hour podcast and then the people who do the hour podcast most people do the hour podcast and some of them really do it super professionally they have their eye on it and it just and it just like they're yeah it's always just an hour and the other ones always just half an hour but most people don't um, or a lot of those, a lot of podcasts that I've been listening to, they they have difficulty really uh, sticking to that. And at the end of the day, I personally f found I prefer like um, I f yeah. Here's the thing: I'm annoyed when in the podcast when the people are saying when I'm enjoying the podcast, right? And then they say, oh, we have to, like, we are over our time, blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or you can notice that they're they're starting to push towards the end. Exactly. Because now yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're keeping it short artif or shorter artificially or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I personally don't like. So I don't care about the length. I mean, it's. I don't think it's ever gonna be much longer than three hours. But it mostly, mostly, it's just gonna turn out to be between an hour and two, between one and three hours, I guess. You know, and I'm totally fine with that. And um, um, if you, you know, uh, I, yeah. So, so I don't. I, I, I wouldn't want to, to change anything about it. Yeah, Even though good, that you would have, point. you would have to, you will have to suffer. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um but i didn't say i was suffering i was just like wow why yeah. is this taking so long but yeah. yeah no i get it because people because that's that's the argument you know many people yeah. people who commute are tend to be podcast listeners and often that commute varies between half an hour and an hour so so many podcasters try to keep it under an hour or something like that and and i and i get that but i don't think i don't feel because i listen to a lot of podcasts and i personally don't feel but i must also say that i'm biased because i have a very long commute so i have yeah. lots of time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. you have an unusually long commute i mean i heard that episode what was, was like two hours or something yeah two hours one way wow yeah, it's uh that's amazing pretty insane yeah. um yeah um but but the thing is um also, if I if I don't commute, if I don't have to go to work, um, I like I like to listen, you know, on the way to the store, or um, you know, if I if I meet some friends, I, I listen for half an hour. And for me, it's not a problem to just to just have them cut up like that. And um, uh, yeah, so I, I I like it to keep it naturally, just as a, at a natural length to yep. whatever they turn out to be. So exactly, that's just my. My cool take on it <laughs> cool so i want to thank everybody for listening you can find all the show notes for this episode on descriptive.audio slash episodes slash 13 if you have any feedback or guest requests hit me up on twitter at descriptive pod or use the feedback form on the website henning thank you so much for uh taking time to come on it was awesome oh, thanks for having me on it was great it was a lot of fun <laughs>